testing. <laughs> he handed me the mic. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace amongst those whom he favours. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thank you, Christmas elves. Let us pray. Lord, may the conversation we share uh, be to your glory. Might the ideas, the experiences, the imagination that comes to us as a gift take life in the love that we share with one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome, Anne. Um, for those of you who don't know Anne, Anne um, McGuinness is the uh, school chaplain at All Saints Anglican School and a member of our 
our parish here at the Anglican Church of Rubina, and she's on holidays. And so what we do when the chaplain is on holidays, we ask her to help out at Christmas, and she's gratefully said yes, so thank you, Anne. It's always a pleasure to be here, you know that, Stuart. I do. It's Christmas Eve. Um, when I was a child, Christmas Eve, oh, I really don't remember it as being as big a thing as it is now. Um, my, my dad became, um, went to train to be a minister when I was eight, and, and certainly um, from that moment I, I know he was rushing around getting things ready for Christmas Day. But uh, the, the memory that I have of Christmas Eve um, was uh, later in the evening uh, switching on Channel 9 and watching carols uh, by candlelight from the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl and, and just imagining what it would be like to be there. Uh, it's still on my bucket list. I still haven't been able to be there uh, physically. Uh, but, but when the choir got on to sing the Hallelujah Chorus, I just had this idea that maybe one day I could be part of that choir uh, singing uh, in the Hallelujah Chorus. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really don't think that growing up in suburban Sydney and then in, in the Hunter Valley of Newcastle, uh, in New, Newcastle region, that I don't remember Christmas Eve being such a family tradition. My parents will probably correct me um, this evening uh, that, that we did a whole lot that I don't remember. But... Um, Gathered by your accent, you didn't grow up in Australia. So was there any um, traditions that you remember as um, your growing up experiences of Christmas Eve? Thank you. Yes, there are, Stuart. Um, we grew up, I grew up in South Africa, as you can hear. And um, we had a tradition. We always went to my grandparents who had a farm right near the Kruger National Park. And so we would go there every single Christmas. And it was great delight, anticipation. We were going to go and see them. But... On Christmas Eve, we did something that would probably never be allowed anymore. We would get a bucky, which you guys would call a ute, and we would gather all the town's children into the back of a flatbed truck with a piano if we could get one up there. And we would drive into town. Some of us would be dressed up in nativity outfits because we would have been practicing for the nativity service. And we would travel around the town going to nursing homes and singing and to various places around the town. And then we would end up at old Auntie Molly Cazalet's farm. And there would be light bulbs strung in the property in front. Of, they also had a farm. And we would, that would form a stage and everybody would bring their picnics. But, but, but like, a bit like we did at Burley Heads, in fact. Yeah. Uh, last week, and we would put on this nativity play, and we would take on different roles every year, and it was just delightful. And so the story of Christmas was brought to life in that space then, and there was this anticipation that after that, we would go back to the farmhouse, and I remember dropping off to sleep. There was a generator, no electricity. Granddad, Pardo we called him, had a switch above his bed, and when he decided it was time to sleep, the whole farmhouse was in darkness. <laughs> and, um, but we would listen to the drums rolling in across the hills, the drums of the folk who were also heralding Christmas. And that was always, always re re remained a very important part of Christmas for me. I uh, saw a great uh, meme that one of my friends posted. Um, He's also a priest, uh, so he's got a terrible sense of humour like uh, the two of us do. 
And it went something like uh, Mary had finally um, got Jesus, baby Jesus to sleep and a young man thought to himself, what this young lady needs is a drum solo. <laughs> so I know as a little drummer boy is your favourite carol <laughs> um, because of that. You mentioned anticipation and, and expectation. I think that's really what I remember most about Christmas Eve and I think it's what it's becoming. We're anticipating as a child, what is going to be under the tree and what's for us. Uh, but also, uh, the older I've got, I, I anticipate, certainly in my role here, what I will see God do in and through God's people as they gather um, for the Christmas services. What do you think that anticipation and expectation, that role of that, that, those feelings plays both in the Christmas story and in our lives as followers of Jesus? I think it's interesting because like you say, I think as a child you have this incredible, you can't wait, I've got a granddaughter who's sending me messages all the time telling me how many hours it is until Christmas, uh, until she can wake up and have her presents. So there's that wonder of a child, but also as you grow older, I think it becomes, certainly for me it was all about if we were hosting Christmas, eventually, uh, you know, what are we cooking, what's going on, you know, what's on the menu, etc., etc. But from a Christian perspective, um, I think for myself, I went through a stage of getting a bit over the Christmas story and getting a little bit more into the kind of embellishments around Christmas until I then began to revisit the Christmas story in a different season of my life. And it has brought me to a space where it is the greatest gift that we can possibly have if we don't just discount it, but see it in a deeper way. And that anticipation of what is God going to do next yeah. is, is incredibly profound. Uh, and God has never let me down. Yeah, and I think that's an important um, promise and and confidence to have, particularly in the world that we're living in the moment. God has never let you down. God has never let me down. But it doesn't mean that the world is easy to live in. Um, and I, since I've, I've been in ministry, I find myself choosing the reading that Todd read for us year after year after year after year. Um, there are other options that um, church leaders have uh, for Christmas services other than Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20. But there's something about that story that takes you to a place but then moves you somewhere else. And I think it's different because each year we're experiencing th something different. But I know around us the world is telling us, particularly at the moment, we've got to get to Christmas, we've got to get to Christmas, Christmas has got to be great. But does Christmas have to be great? Do we have to be happy and joyful? Does God expect us just because it turns from 20, the 24th of December to the 25th of December at midnight tonight that all of a sudden we can push our worries to the side? Is, is that how you see it? I think once I became a priest and discovered that Christmas can be very, very difficult for many people, you realise that that is not uh, the case. No, Christmas is not always a time for joy. There's so much loneliness about. There's so much um, pain about. We've experienced it this week 
on on Monday we got the news that that my husband's beautiful um, sister, my sister-in-law, passed away in South Africa, um, and right near Christmas. So her daughters live in Perth, and they phoned me and said, you know, it, we, we have such mixed emotions at the moment. We can't get there. We couldn't get there to see mum. They've got one brother there who sort of has done all the work. But thank God we have a deep faith. They do and we do. And there is, under the sorrow and the pain and the hurt of having lost a very special part, a member of our family, um, due to COVID, but with major comorbidity, I need to add, there is still that hope, that joy, that peace and that love that connects us yet. That I was able to say to Bronwyn, we'll set up a place at your table and perhaps share some stories of mum because as Christians, we know that there is still that connection somewhere, somehow. And my faith has moved beyond that sense of, as a child, yeah, beautiful story. As a teenager, virgin birth year, whatever. <laughs> and then back into revisiting the story, into looking at this child that has become incarnate, through whom God works, through whom God's Holy Spirit works. And the Bible tells me I am a daughter of God. So could that not be true of me too? Is God not the wisdom? Is not God my constant companion in Christ? Are we not temples of the Holy Spirit? I don't know, what is it like for you, Stuart? Yeah, I, I think certain, certainly the, the, there's a pressure and, and in my role tomorrow morning, I'm going to be having the smile on my face, but I'm going to feel like death warmed up. Um, uh, so the, I, I'll, our, our next service finishes at, at, at midnight-ish. Uh, then we've got to pack away all, all the candles that are the melting and without getting them on the carpet. Um, watch uh, as, as, as the tradespeople dismantle all the Christmas decorations, finally get to bed, and wake up at the crack of dawn because I'm so wired I can't sleep. And then I get to, uh, to the service uh, tomorrow morning and I need to be happy and welcome everybody because it's Christmas. And this smile on my face uh, says happy Christmas but the bags under my eyes says, I'm tired, I just want the services to be over. And, and, and for the last few years, I've made the mistake of saying, uh, this is my last Christmas service. Um, meaning it's my last Christmas service for this Christmas. But the amount of people that misinterpret that and think that I'm leaving and going somewhere else, um, that, um, that I'm, I'm about to leave and I'm, I'm not going to be back next year. Can I assure you that I'm not going anywhere? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here uh, next Sunday and the Sunday after that. But it's made me realise that even though I'm not feeling my best, I can see God at work in and around me and it's actually particularly when I'm not feeling my best that I see God most clearly. When I am feeling good 
and when I'm feeling on top of the world and when I think I've got everything in control and connected, you know who I give credit to? Me. But when I'm struggling to keep my eyes open, uh, when, when I'm, I'm struggling with the world around me, it's when I realise that God is powerfully working in and through me and not just me, especially with the ones that God's placed around me. So it's, it's not about turning the clock an extra minute and all of a sudden us changing our emotions. It's letting God into what we really feel right now. And sometimes that is realising that when we're feeling joyous and happy, that we shouldn't take all the credit for ourselves because that's the time when we're most likely to forget God. But in those dark nights of our soul, in the hard parts of our lives, that's when I felt God the closest. That's when I am able to realise the baby born more than 2,000 years ago is alive in the people of God and even in me. And the hope that the angels sing of, uh, the shepherds with their wonder, and the doting parents around the Christ child, gives me hope that there is something more. And what I'm experiencing right now won't be the final part of the story. There's a a very wise Anglican theologian um, who says, if it's not all right at the moment, it's not actually the end. It will be all right in the end. And I think that's part of God connecting in those dark moments that we get to see at Christmas. Because I can't imagine... Mary and Joseph were feeling pretty on top of the world after a long trip um, to get to, to their place of origin. And so I wonder whether God can meet us in our ordinariness and our brokenness in this space. I think the, the ancient, well, ancient, the old uh, Anglican mystic Julian of Norwich said, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. And I am often reminded of that going through, through dark times, yeah. And what's your prayer for your family and for yourself this Christmas? Stuart, at eight minutes past one this morning, my phone rang. <laughs> and I answered it, and it was my daughter-in-law in the UK, and my heart just dropped. And I picked it up. And this little voice said, hello, Granny, are you coming to my house? And he'd got hold of his mother's phone and phoned me in Australia. (laughs) And so the conversation had to be, well, go and find your daddy. (laughs) And we had this conversation. So my prayer for my family, I think, at this this time, is that we are connected by love. Those who are far away, they were, what? 80 flights cancelled today. Those who are far away, those who are near, love connects us, and God is love. And so I pray for my family, those boys that I haven't seen for so long, those here in Australia. I pray not only for my family, but my family here in the church, and as I talk now, I'm conscious that we are talking with God, for all of God is everywhere. My family at school, because we are all in this together. And my prayer is that we might 
realize that we are here for one another and that God works through us, through me, through you, and through every single person here into the lives of others. And my prayer is that we might know that love more nearly and more dearly every day. Amen. And I have one little more prayer that I want Please. to offer, and that is just to say thank you to you, Stuart, to Mary Ann, to Bowen, to the magnificent young people here, to those who come every single week to make sure that our services happen. We are so very, very blessed by you, and I want to say thank you to you, and I thank God who is here listening for you too. Thank you. I have a prayer to, um, for our church um, that uh, through this week we've, we've had lots of phone calls from people who just weren't comfortable to come tonight or tomorrow, um, that they're confused about what's going on in the world. My prayer is that, that God would encounter them regardless of what decision that they make or whether they want to physically gather or watch um, from home or not watch at all, that they would encounter God in the space where they are, and that they would grow in and through that. And, and that would be infectious. I know that's a scary word to say at this time in the world's history. But God's love needs to spread. And the only way it can spread is through God's people. And I pray that this Christmas will be unique. And because of the disconnection we're feeling, it will allow us to be a little bit like Mary, have the time to ponder at what's going on, what God has just done, and the possibility of what God will do. That's right, Stuart. And I think also that those who are not sitting at our table this Christmas our beloved Marion, and I'm sure you have others too who will not be there, will be with us, just in a different form. Amen. Amen. Shall we sing some more? Let's stand as we sing. Sorry, quick furniture move before we start.